Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast with me, Andy Sylvester. In a minute, I'll be joined by Jack Barnett, our economics and markets correspondent, who will take us through the market and commodities reaction to events in Ukraine over the weekend and into today. First, the headlines, though, away from the war in Eastern Europe. And Sanjeev Gupta has won a reprieve that will allow him to continue to operate Liberty Steel plants in the UK. He had been in ongoing talks with HMRC over a tax bill that ran into the millions of pounds. But Sky News first reported today that taxman had withdrawn a series of winding up after the tycoon table proposals in recent days. GFG, Gupta's vehicle, said they were pleased to report, quote, good further progress, unquote, in our negotiations with creditors, including HMRC. Number nine lives continues to use them, it seems. Shares in the subprime lender Amigo soared as much as 81% this morning uh, after the financial regulator said the firm could resume lending subject to conditions and if its new business rescue plan was approved by the High Court. Amigo's stock took a beating last year after the High Court stated that it was not satisfied that the court should sanction the scheme, pushing back against Amigo's original proposal to cap customer compensation claims relating to historic loans. Meanwhile, fast fashion retailer Misguided has made a move to slash, quote, a number of roles, unquote, at its head office in Manchester. The beleaguered firm had secured a rescue deal at the end of last year, with Altaria investors snapping up a 50% stake in the firm and acquiring its debt. Misguided then began a review of its business structure, which concluded it needed to align its costs to better match its current performance. Elsewhere, the City of London's mayor, the Irishman Vincent Keevening, has rejected any notion that London is losing its position as Europe's financial capital. In fact, he said the square mile has lost less than 7,500 jobs as a result of the UK's departure from the EU. City firms, for context, employ around half a million people. A certain number of jobs have moved out of London, Keevening said on a visit to Ireland, but he says he thinks it's a very small number. To Ukraine then, before we get to Jack, and accountancy and audit heavyweight Deloitte has become the last of the big four to pull out of Russia following the country's invasion of Ukraine, joining EY, PwC and others earlier today. Uh, All have cited the Russian government's actions in Ukraine. Deloitte confirmed last week that it was reviewing its business and presence in Russia, but today the global CEO of the firm Punit Rengen said we will separate our practice in Russia and Belarus from the global network of member farms. Deloitte will no longer operate in Russia and Belarus. That follows more retailers, including Next, pulling out today, and lawyers too joining the exodus, Linklaters and Norton Rose Fulbright, both announcing plans to get out of Russia. Jack, um, Jack Barnett, bringing you in now, our economics and markets correspondent. Um, interesting news out of Ukraine, and you can people are trying to read the runes, of course. Continued attacks and continued rhetoric from the Kremlin, although it is worth noting uh, that for the first time a Kremlin spokesperson outlined what could be the terms of a negotiated peace, uh, specifically that Ukraine will give up its uh, sovereignty of the Crimea, hand that over to Russia, and also recognise the independence of the two eastern Ukrainian oblasts, essentially uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. That's obviously far more than um, Ukraine should have to give up, being a sovereign nation uh, that's been invaded from Russia. But nonetheless, signs perhaps that the Russians are starting to look for an off-ramp. I think it's fair to say, though, that uh, markets not exactly pricing in a quick and easy end of this conflict Jack, um, FTSE down, FTSE 100 down, FTSE 250 down, and most of Europe down. Yeah, so I think, again, it's just, it's this week is very much, much the same as what it was last week, um, particularly during the opening session. So as you mentioned there, all the top European indices, indexes have plummeted during uh, the morning session. You had the FTSE 100 down around about 2.5%, 250 was down over 3%. Uh, in the continent, CACs 40 DAX 30, stock 600, all down more than 3%. Um, so again, it's just extending this really risk-off attitude that you had um, 
you know, which sort of underpinned the whole of last week. But I think the thing to say is that equities are not the overriding story on markets today. It's very much about commodities and specifically about energy prices. Mm. So Brent crude um, was hovering around about $140 a barrel in the morning um, and natural gas prices have hit a record high of around about £8 per firm. Now, the, the reasons why that has such a a bad impact on, on equity prices is because it's triggering concerns amongst economists and investors and all these people who are involved in the markets that um, you're going to get quite historically high uh, inflation as a result of these commodity price spikes. And that could potentially uh, generate this word which we were talking about. And about the middle of last year is, is, is coming back, um, stagflation in Western mm. countries who are sort of shunning um, Russia. And I think the the worry is, is that there's going to be quite a severe restriction of supply of commodities from Russia, Ukraine as a result of the conflict um, stunting production in the countries. And um, it's going to lead to elevated prices over the long run. The firms are actually going to get their hands on these commodities, which they need to be able to produce things. They're going to have to pay through the nose to be able to secure them. And then as a result of that, they're either going to have to hike prices or they're going to have to um, suffer some some hits to their profit mm. margin. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? And it's it's worth pointing out today that a lot of the, the moves this morning, anyway, triggered by uh, US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken suggesting that both the US and European allies were considering a ban on Russian energy products, oil and gas. Now, that has been walked back fairly significantly today by a host of European leaders, not least Boris Johnson um, and Olaf Scholz in Germany. Justin Trudeau, the Canadian PM, also saying today that he felt that it was unlikely that the world was simply going to be able to switch off uh, its reliance on Russian gas. This was a long-term process. So some of those fears disappearing to a degree, but nonetheless, there remain significant supply speed bumps for that Russian energy coming into the West, be it anything from the slightly uh, almost parochial in circumstances refusal of some UK dockers to accept Russian cargoes the other day um, mm. to more sort of formal bans, I suppose. Um, the question going ahead is, is what that does to the economic recovery. You've hinted at it there of higher prices, but it seems that, as ever with energy, nothing is immune from higher energy prices. So particularly thinking UK manufacturers, for one obvious example, they're going to really struggle as we go through the summer because although you know, we think about energy being a kind of season-specific thing when it comes to domestic consumption, right? As the temperature goes up, obviously, all of our individual energy consumption falls. That's obviously not the case in business. No, not at all. And I think there's a good there's a good measure there of what you're talking about, the um, you know, sort of traders' concerns about future energy supplies. So backwardation, which is when spot prices for any sort of commodity or financial product um, is actually higher than the um, the cost of securing it in the future. So I think that is at the moment backwardation is quite it's sort of sweeping throughout commodity markets at the moment. So a lot of traders are concerned that you know they want to get their hands on supplies now because they think in the future. Um, the supply just isn't going to be there in the market. Um, but, you know, like you were saying there, manufacturers are going to be hit quite hard by um, the price spike in, um, in energy prices. And I think the, the main point on that is, is that there's very few substitutes for oil and gas. You know, they are very much integral to the production processes of a lot of companies um, across most economies. And there's no easy way to be able to go, well, you know, if the price, you know, we're not going to be able to, not be able to absorb this. Um, this price hike in um, in oil, we'll just use something else. The, you know, the opportunity is mm. not really there for businesses. So, 
like I said, they're either going to have to suffer squeezed margins or they're going to have to higher prices, which again is just feeding back into more of this inflationary narrative, um, which, you know, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy um, and it doesn't look like it's going to sort of ease over the next couple of months at least. Yeah, I think that, you know, the last thing that, Western economies needed was a further inflationary pressure, but this certainly counts as it. It might even be the strongest inflationary pressure we've seen yet in the last two years, something that central banks will have to be wise to. But as you say, they're in a bit of a bind because growth is going to be massively hit by this as well. So you're right, we are all all roads point to a very difficult discussion for central banks in which you've got inflation shooting ahead, but growth still pretty grim. Yeah, exactly. So we've got the bank's next rate decision on the 17th of March, which is pretty close. And hopefully within 10 days or so, we get a bit more of an idea as to how um, sustained and severe this um, energy price shock is going to be resulting from the conflict. I think it's going to be a really difficult conversation for um, Governor Andrew Bailey and other members of the embassy to have about, you know, how do they how do they balance maintaining growth whilst also at the same time seeing inflation potentially topping eight, nine percent um over the next um twelve months or so. So it's it's a really tricky one. And I think, you know, the one the one sort of gauge you can have on this is that traders have started to pare back their expectations of rate hikes from the likes of the Bank of England, the Fed, mm. uh, the ECB as well. And I think um, you know, you've got yields um creeping down as investors are pouring back into safe haven stocks. But I think very similar to Omicron, this, I think it's just something that we need more information or the Bank of England will need more information before it can decide what it's going to do at its next meeting. Mm. It is notable that we haven't heard much from senior Bank of England figures about the impact of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Now, usually we'd be bemoaning a vacuum, but I think considering in previous times there have been anything, if anything, been a bit too chatty, um, it's actually probably helping markets just to just to keep it uncertain rather than them lead us astray again. Um, Jack, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Um, that's all from us at the City View podcast today. Uh, tomorrow we'll have our usual fortnightly catch up with CMC Markets, Michael Hewson and Hargreaves Lansdowne's Susanna Streeter. It's a lot of S's in one uh, in one sentence. Um, they'll be back to talk about the economy, talk about inflation, as well as the impact of Russia and Ukraine conflict on equities. Uh, until then, see you soon. <laughs>